Hey everyone, this is Sarah Silla. Welcome to the Elpa podcast. Elpa is association of players in your league, which aims to collectively represent players and help their careers. We will be bringing you conversations with current and former EuroLeague players and other personalities from the world of basketball. Our guests will talk about their journeys, on and off the court stories, and look deeper into what it means to be a vital part of basketball industry. It's a thrilling feeling when you realize that you're so good that your teammates all of a sudden are, are better because of you. And when you see a teammate doing something really well, you're better because of it. You know, you grow as a person. Winning was surely one of the, the, the sweetest moments in my career, all the, the, all the, the both Final Fours and the Russian Championships and the Cups. And you just grew. You grew, as, a, as like I said, as a person, as a, as a player, as a father, as a teammate. So... Uh, I have a very, very strong and fond memories of, of CSKA yeah. and the whole Russian story. In 2008, Matyash Modish has been the first non-Russian player who was named the captain of CSKA. In this new episode of Elpa podcast, the three-time Euroleague champion spoke about his journey and described his feeling after winning each of his Euroleague titles. He also discussed the evolution of the competition and he touched on his retirement and how he handled it. Enjoy! Hi Matthias. Hi. Thank you for being here. Sure, it's my pleasure. How did it start for you basketball? How did you start playing? That was when I was about 9-10 years old. Uh, and there was a, this elementary teacher that was also the coach of the local team and I was a you know, uh, bigger, uh, taller uh, kid and he yeah. invited me and that's how it all developed. Okay, and you liked it when you started? At first, no, because you know I was overweight, I was big, I was slow, I didn't get a lot of uh, balls to shoot, a lot of possessions and so at first, no. But then at one point, uh, I also tried every other sport, like I think every kid should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the end, I just kind of circled back to basketball. And I think that when I was about 13 or 14 years old, I got my first invitation to the national team, which was cadets or uh, junior cadets at that point. And I think that was it for me, in my mind. I really like this. I'm pretty okay. I'm big. I can, you know, I'm enjoying. This You're is good. my hobby, so this will be my sport. So you became a professional and you won a lot of titles in Euroleague, Russia, Slovenia, Italy. When you look back at your career, what do you see? Well, I see a very uh, exciting and uh, long career with a lot of ups and downs. And, uh, the downs, of course, being the, the injuries, uh, the ups being the victories. Uh, I got to experience a lot of different culture. Uh, uh, my kids were with me and my wife for the whole the whole ride, so I think they, they got a lot of uh, globalization uh, or experience from living abroad from that too, and I think this, this is a good investment for them, mm-hmm. for understanding the world and you know, launching them to a better place. Uh, I al- I'm always fond, uh, uh, fond of remembering uh, all the... The, the, the seasons, the games, the, the teammates, even the losses, because I think at the end, 
it was the, the, the heartbreaking losses and the injuries that taught me and made me appreciate the game more and yeah. made me develop more and so on and so on. So, you know, as the saying goes, she learned from your mistakes. Uh, but in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I was fortunate enough to play those 10, 11, 12 years uh, abroad and, uh, you know, uh, settled my uh, uh, existence, you know, uh, money-wise and so on and so on. So I think I was very fortunate uh, in all those things. Mm. And uh, I think I had a wonderful career. I think so. <laughs> so you played in Cheska, which is a big team in Europe, and you were the first foreign captain. Yes. What does that mean for you to have been part of this organization? Uh, okay, in, arriving in Cesca, I had this uh, big fear uh, of iron wall or curtain uh, yeah. soldiers with AKs 47 walking <laughs> on the streets, <laughs> tanks and everything, you know. It wasn't easy. I had uh, two kids at that point uh, and we were going to Russia, Moscow. I didn't really know much. I didn't know how my wife would react, how the kids would handle it. And I think that they, they accepted even better than me. Mm, uh, kids. Uh, yeah, they're kids. Yeah, they're kids. My wife was great at, uh, at that point or, or taking everything on, on her shoulders. As far as the team is, I, I think I was accepted pretty, uh, pretty fast in uh, all the surroundings. Uh, I really liked learning the Russian, which was close to my Slovenian language. And uh, I think that the reward of my whole career, whole work, or trying to implement myself in the surroundings in Moscow was, was this, uh, uh, this this, this uh, highlight of uh, me becoming the captain. Uh, it was something that I didn't think about when it was offered to me. Of course, I accepted. I thought it was a great honor. Uh, How was it to just say, we want you to be captain? No, the coach came to me and spoke to me and said, I think it's not just something that uh, should be given to a Russian automatically. Yeah. I think it should be you, who are also leader of the court, mm. on the court, you and Langdon, and so on and so on. We talked about it and said, yeah, okay, if that's your decision, of course I will accept. But uh, it was also adding some more pressure. It was meaning that, you know, that now I have to do even better. Mm. And at one point that was difficult for me. I didn't know how I'm going to do this, you know, what, what, what should change now, what do I have to improve. Uh, unfortunately, I got injured that season and then missed the next season uh, with a back injury. So that uh, uh, captainship didn't last long, but still it was, uh, uh, let's say, uh, an appraisal of everything that I've done. And now that I look at it, I'm even more proud and, and happy that it happened and it, it means more to me now than it did when and, I was playing. Yeah. And what memories do you have uh, from your Russian journey? Um, well, I, like I said, I, I really, really remember the losses. I could probably go... If there are one or two losses and that yeah, are of course, more... Yeah, of course, the, all, all the final fours, uh, yeah. all the finals, especially the loss in Berlin when we lost by that last shot where the three-pointer of Shishkauskas was a little short, yeah. us coming back from a 22-point deficit. Uh, of course, uh, even losing the semifinals of the, uh, uh, the Baltic League uh, against Himki, that was hard. Uh, that, uh, that was probably the worst season in CSKA the year that we didn't, that we didn't qualify for the Final Four, that we dropped out in top 16. Uh, so those are the, the, the memories that stick with me. Yeah. On the other hand, hand the people, the, the, 
the, the, the, the family feeling that is in the team, everything that is brought to you on the silver platter. So you just have to play. You don't really worry about the doctors, about the kids, about the car, about the apartment, about the food, about the, the, the jerseys, about the sweaters, about the, the shoes. They, they just gave you so much. But it wasn't the fact that they gave you so much. They gave, they gave you the feeling that you're appreciated, that you're loved. They gave you that warm, fatherly hug in... in so to speak, or that motherly love that, you know, for me was fantastic. It even made me and I think all my teammates want to play better, want to give more. And I think we all arrived at one point that we realized that because we are that good, we are making other people better around us. And it's it's a scary feeling. I mean, it's, it's a thrilling feeling when you realize that you're so good that your teammates all of a sudden are are better because of you. And when you see a teammate doing something really well, you're better because of it. You know, you grow as a person. Winning was surely one of the, the, the sweetest moments in my career, all the the all the, the both Final Fours and the Russian Championships and the Cups. And you just grew. You grew, as, a, as like I said, as a person, as a, as a player, as a father, as a teammate. So uh, I have a very, very strong and fond memories of Yes. The whole Russian story. So you won the Euroleague three times, right? Yes. Which one was the hardest to get? You won in 2001, 2006, yes. and 2008. Yes. Which one was the hardest to get? Uh, it's it's difficult to to say which one the hardest. Everyone was a story of its own. Maybe in Bologna, I was a kid. You know, that was uh, his first year in Italy that didn't really know what was going on, uh, yeah. um, that had the opportunity to play, to play in those big games. I did well. Uh, I, I probably learned uh, much of Messina's confidence in that first year, I think, that when I proved to him that you know I can be there for him and play important minutes on the court. Uh, that was also the year we won uh, three titles in, yeah. uh, in Italy. So that one was very special for me, maybe because of coming from Slovenia to, to abroad, to Italy, to make a name for myself, to, you know, to, to, uh, to find my space under the basket. Um, and then, let's say, the, the, two Russians, the two Russian ones were, of course, very, very, very spectacular in a sense uh, that the first one in Prague was after 35 years of... Uh, space between the last uh, championship that CSKA has won, so that uh, that made us feel really, uh, really great because yeah. you could feel that the whole organization was working They're for years ready. for that, and uh, they were ready even before with Duda Jukovic to, to win, but they yeah. can't fall short. So when we did it, I think that it was a, a kind of relief yeah. on their on their part, and it made it easier for them, and they knew that they were doing something right. And, and they uh, shift their yeah, goal. Shoot, uh, and they also uh, proved the, that they can, uh, you know, be on top again. So I would say that the, the two Russian ones, of course, the 2006 story in Prague was was uh, really great because you know we were going against uh, two-time Euroleague champions uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, we were playing in Prague. There was a lot of uh, Maccabi supporters there. The whole gym was basically yellow. Yeah. 
we knew we were the underdogs. Uh, we were basically going, like Ettore said, into the lion's mouth. But still, we're here, we'll play. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. So that one, that one was... Uh, my affirmation as a, as a known player of age, you know, I was almost... 30 or 28 at that yeah. point so it was that that one is mine like if you were to say which one is mine I would say this one is mine this is this is where I play this is where I have the main role this is uh, when the, the responsibility is on me on defense on offense so this one is mine yeah and so maybe that one is a little bit more important than mm. the two years after yeah and how did you see the evolution of Euroleague uh, through the years uh, well I think you, the Euroleague has done great steps forward in all directions. Uh, uh, taking care of the little things uh, such as transportation and uh, basic comfort of the players I think is on a high level everywhere. Uh, all the teams that are in Euroleague have this uh, amazing setup and, and probably if you talk to all the players they'll say yeah, this, is, this is as good as it can be. Uh, on the other side, uh, let's say the media, the, the, the podcasts, the, the Instagram, the Facebook, and uh, let's say the sheer uh, uh, presentation and publication has, has, has skyrocketed. Uh, even yesterday I was sitting with my middle son and we were talking like how, uh, how many stats you can get now. Uh, how uh, well televised the games are, uh, how you have all those history reports from before, uh, how you have interviews, how everything looks really, really on the level. It's really um, closing the gap from, let's say, NBA, yeah. which always compares itself to, to the best league and the players on, on the planet. Uh, so the evolution, I think, has been great. Even the whole story around the Final Four has, has, has you know, been maximized mm. uh, in the last, let's say, 15 years, mm. uh, so all the compliments to everybody involved. So you didn't have ELPA, which is the Real League Players Association, yes, at your time. Um, what would have been different for you if you had it, do you think? Well, basically, you play because you love the game, but on the other hand, you play because uh, uh, you want to earn good money, mm. and, uh, and you want to earn as much as you can. And uh, there's always the fear of something bad happening, uh, you getting in, a, let's say, in a fight or a, or a disagreement with the team, with the coach, with the, with the teammates. So, you know, a lot of things can happen. And basically, you want to have those contracts guaranteed or you want to have somebody that will support that uh, or make you achieve that. So for me, it would have meant to be even more... Uh, Or, or, or reassure that there's an organization yeah. that I can join and there's a players union that takes care of those little things like don't practice too much uh, uh, give me the, the, the appropriate time off uh, let's not play too many games a week uh, yeah. stuff like that uh, but on the other hand I would have loved to play more big games while, uh, during my career because during the season Sometimes you didn't play Panathinaikos, you didn't go to Madrid, yeah. you didn't have to go to Maccabi, you didn't have to go to Belgrade the, uh, or, let's say, Malaga or mm. come to Ljubljana at that point. So I think the league right now is much more interesting because of that, because everybody plays everybody, the, all the games are hard, and I think also the level of players is, is getting better. Mm. Because you play each other 
basically on a weekly basis. So you have to show up every week. Uh, where in my time, maybe there was a week where you had a, you know, a, a smaller opponent. Yeah. So, so you could, so you could kind of cruise yeah. because we were a big team. Uh, so basically, having a, a players' union would have, uh, you know, maybe even prolonged my career. Mm. I wasn't obligated to do all those steps, yeah, all sure. the, all the draft, all the camps. Uh, all the preparation periods, uh, maybe even taking care of me when I was injured, you know, in the sense that they could give me some support or guidance, I don't know. So I think that, that would have been a good thing. And what impact can, can Elpa have on the European basketball? <laughs> That's... Uh, I, see, I see only positive things. I think that if everybody accepts uh, the the rules, the general rules that you guys want to implement or um, let's say even a salary cup uh, if, if there's a, a story about that would uh, surely benefit uh, the players and also the, 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 the teams itself it would be easier to, to you know stay inside some guidelines uh, but I think like uh, we spoke before in Europe is a big problem because you have so many countries yeah. with different rules, taxations, and, exactly. and the basketball rules also. Uh, that, that that's very difficult. But still, I think that that would be great. How did you handle the, your retirement, going from practice every day to nothing? <laughs> <laughs> well, at first uh, it was kind of a relief, you know, because you're always s under some stress because yeah. you gotta practice, you gotta stay in shape. Uh, so I really enjoyed myself for the first, let's say, year, okay. or maybe even year and a half. And then at one point I was like, huh, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, this is this was all fun, but you know I have to stay active. I've gained some weight. I have to you know. Go you to never practice. thought about what you would be doing after basketball? Of course I did. I tried preparing for that. Uh, I invested in some businesses, mm. uh, even opened my basketball school and I was very involved with kids uh, right after my career. Uh, Try working out with Kirka Mesto to be there in, on the board or to be there as an advisor, maybe even you know, assistant coach, stuff like that. And that didn't work out. Uh, uh, so I tried to prepare myself as hard as I could because for the last two, three years I was thinking, okay, this year and I'm done. Yeah. Okay, another this year, year and I'm done. And I really... I will do this. I want to go and cut cut my lawn. I want to go and ride a bike. I want to, you know, d drive my car all over Europe. Some, you know, ideas that you get or uh, stuff that you don't do when you're in the gym 24/7, basically during during the the, the season and the career. Uh, so I wouldn't say that I had a tough period of adjusting or, or transition, uh, but still, yeah, at one point it hit me. It hit me like, what, what do you do now? Like, mm. what, even the question, what am I capable of doing? Like, yeah. what, what do I know? Besides playing yeah, basketball. I know pick and roll, pick and pop, <laughs> I know short roll, I know three pointer, I know double exit, you know. I know, but wait, wait that's basketball, so let's, let's try doing something else. Uh, of course, it was really helpful that my kids were not fully grown yet, mm. and, uh, but we always had the idea that. I wouldn't play longer than it would take my youngest son to go to elementary school. Okay. So it would have been, it basically would have meant another two years of okay. me playing. So I stopped a little bit before yeah. uh, and we turned back in, in my hometown, Novo Mesto, because I also wanted 
my kids to grow roots. You know, I didn't want them to be like nomads, not really having a place where they could call home and say, like, this is where I'm from. Even though I believe that for my oldest one, it was kind of hard because we came back when he was uh, about 13, 14 yeah. years old, which well, is already a teenager. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. uh, so it Friends was yeah, and uh, a, a processing period and so on. So. Uh, and then, you know, life just kind of went on. Mm-hmm. I'm involved with this uh, team in second division in mm-hmm. Mesto. I'm kind of like the the uncle in the back or the advisor or the coach, whatever they need. Uh, I also coach my kids a little bit uh, when uh, when necessary, even though that's the hardest part. Because they look at me and go like, what do you know? What do you know of basketball? Like, um, yeah, some small things. Yeah, well, you're, you're the guy that says, take out the trash. You're the guy that says, clean my room. So I'm not going to listen to you. Like, even here, no. So that's a bit of a problem sometimes. And uh, then, you know, business went on. I was also always uh, invested in some real estate, buying, selling, uh, renting. Uh, so now I have this coffee place and uh, uh, pizza place and uh, craft beer uh, pub uh, in Novo Mesto. And I'm, you know, developing and does that. Hel- that yeah. and, uh, does that help for your business to be much as modest? Yes or no. Yes yeah, no. people come for, for you. I believe that when we opened that... Uh, craft beer uh, uh, pub uh, people were amazed and, 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 and couldn't believe that I was the guy working at, behind the bar and <laughs> giving them beers and uh, I think that, that they appreciated that yeah. I also enjoyed myself and really like you know pouring the beer there and, and then certain people uh, so, so it's fun it has of course even the, the, the downside of yeah. that is business and taking care like of everything, everything. Uh, but you know you have to do something you know? For sure. Thank you. You're welcome. A big thank you to Matthias Modish for this conversation and I see you in a few weeks for a new episode of Elpa Podcast. Bye.